Before we get into today's show, I just wanted to put out a request as a holiday favor, if you will. If you have been enjoying the podcast for any length of time, I would really appreciate it if you would share it with your friends and family, whether that's on social media, an email, a text message, any way that you communicate with the people that you care about and maybe have some influence over in terms of things to check out like movies and books and stuff like that. If you could please pass them along this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get to today's show, which I'm super excited about. Picture it. The year is 1998. You just received a CD-ROM installation disc for free in the mail. You sit down at the family's particle board desk and turn on your computer. You pop the disc into the disk drive of your large desktop computer and install the software. You make sure your phone line is available and you log on. Congratulations and welcome to the internet. Compliments of America Online, aka AOL. For those of us who came of age in the 1990s, AOL was likely our first memory of using the internet. So much of what we experience today is a direct result of the ideas and technology that were developed by this home internet juggernaut. So, Sit back and relax while we take a trip back to the 1980s and 1990s to discuss the history of America Online. Thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast. This show is dedicated to the memory of my big sister Rebecca, a fan of all things pop culture, particularly the people, places, and things that defined the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Welcome aboard this pop culture time machine. I'm Amy Lewis. This is episode number 84, The History of America Online. This show has been on my list of topics for as long as I can remember, so it seemed only fitting to have this be the focus of one of my last episodes of the year. The World Wide Web is the gift that keeps on giving this holiday season. And as we go through this episode, I wanted to make sure to say that I will probably be using AOL and America Online interchangeably. America Online officially became AOL in 2006, but nonetheless, I will probably go back and forth forgetting that timeline. Tom Berners-Lee created the World Wide Web in 1991, but that's not exactly when our story begins. Let's go back to 1983. It was a great year. That's when I was born. But anyways, in 1983, a company named Control Video Corporation was founded by a man named Bill Von Meister. He created a product that could connect your Atari 2600 to your phone line. You could rent games for $1. 
This didn't last all that long, but it morphed into a company called Quantum Computer Services, where Steve Case, the eventual genius behind AOL, was an employee. Case wanted to create an online group for people who had Commodore 64 computers, which I think you could get at Radio Shack, I want to say. So he helped create software for users of that system as well as Apple computers. Eventually, this niche program was no longer needed, but Case didn't want to give up. He wanted to build a sense of community via the internet. At night, when he got home from work, he would tinker around on the internet. He wanted to bring that into people's homes. He could sense that this was going to explode at some point, so he wanted to be that trailblazer. So, in 1991, he renamed the company America Online to reflect his desire to build an online community. He would eventually be named CEO. And in 1993, just a few years later, AOL added email addresses. From 1985 to 1993, America Online jumped from 2,000 to 2 million users. Case was clearly onto something. In 1996, AOL moved to a monthly pricing model over the hourly pricing model. This led to a significant increase in usage and subsequent busy signals to the dismay of users. For $19.95 a month, you could access AOL whenever your heart desired. Chat rooms were one of the biggest draws to their internet service. AOL chat rooms were the precursor to AIM, or AOL Instant Messaging. By the way, if you text message about 5,000 times a day like I do, then you can thank AOL and their AIM program for that, but more on that later. One website described chat rooms as if Reddit and Craigslist had a child. Chat rooms, for the most part, had some type of theme such as punk rock, boy bands, Dungeons and Dragons, news, etc. You could see a list of who was in the room to the right, and the conversation chain would be happening on the left. I remember it feeling impossible to keep up with all the conversations happening left and right, but at the same time, it was new and kind of exciting. In most rooms, there was the infamous ASL question asked over and over again. And in case you don't remember, ASL in this instance didn't stand for American Sign Language. It stood for age, sex, location, as in, if you are in this chat room, how old are you? What gender do you identify as and where do you live? I often lied about this because at the time I wanted to be living in Florida and I wanted to be older. So I'm sure I often told people I lived in Orlando, Florida, and that my name was Allie after my you know favorite actress and elderly person crush, Allie McGraw. And by 1997, there were 17,000 chat rooms. That is crazy. And I know that me and my sister and me and my friends would often go into various chat rooms, type something inappropriate, which I won't say, and then proceed to leave the room, which was a good use of our time. Kind of felt a little bit like ding dong ditch, you know, you could like say something and do something kind of bad and then you wouldn't be found out. What a waste of time. But that's what you did in the late 90s. Anyways. 1997 also marked the year that AIM, or AOL Instant Messaging, launched. AIM allowed you to essentially text message, if you will, on your computer with anyone on your buddy list, which were mostly, hopefully, people that you likely knew outside of the internet. Or, you know, you could be messaged by random people. You know, some 
rando in a uh, chat room. So that's that was safe. Whenever a buddy on your buddy list signed onto AOL, you would hear this noise. AIM was really popular when I was in college, circa 2001 to 2005. Everyone at that age seemed to have AIM opened all hours of the day and night and would put up away messages when they left their computer. Does anybody remember that like like I do? Did you did you do that? I remember people leaving an unnecessary amount of information on their away message. For example, I remember people, and this may have been like my roommate in college or kids in class, I don't know, they would say something on their away message like, class, shower, nap, out to the movies. Or maybe they would try to imply something, TMI, like class, getting naked, I'm taking a shower, you sicko, nap, out to the movies. So stupid. I feel like young people at that time wanted to give the appearance like they were super busy and away from their computer when really they were probably just sitting right by it. AIM, however, helped me stay connected with some of my family members and friends when I was away in college, so it was kind of uh, invaluable, I guess I would say. 1997 also marked the year that AOL acquired CompuServe, which was similar to AOL in that it was an internet provider who also offered the ability for users to chat and access message boards. Very exciting, which those are still around today, actually. AOL 4.0 launched in 1998 and used pretty much all sources of CD production available, so not a single CD with music or other software on it was created during the several-week period that AOL discs were created. If you remember, AOL sent out millions and millions of AOL installation discs. I don't even know how many we had, probably dozens. And I have no idea what we did with them. There probably is a lot of landfill space taken up by AOL discs. Anyways, with this edition of AOL specifically, non-subscribers could access AIM. By 1999, there were 17 million subscribers. Between subscribers and non-subscribers, there were over 100 million different screen names on AOL at its peak. I wish I could remember what some of my screen names were, but I imagine they were something along the lines of Soccer Girl 83 or WDW Girl 71, you know, the year that Walt Disney World opened if you're a big dork like me. And, you know, now people could hang out in chat rooms for hours on end. Even if they weren't a subscriber, they could chat with people. So in reminiscing about screen names, and I was having a hard time remembering what some of mine were, I reached out on both Instagram and Twitter asking listeners and followers and friends to share if they remembered what their screen names were. And I got some pretty fun and hilarious answers. Anthony said that his screen name was Royal W. Cheese, meaning Royal with cheese, I'm guessing. Good good stuff. Good stuff right there. Friend and listener Marnie said that her screen name was M. Rosen B. 2, which is sort of an abbreviation of her last name, which she still uses today, which I think is genius. How nice, Marnie, that you actually picked something that makes sense that you would want to use when you're middle-aged as, you know, you didn't want to use as a teenager. That was some smart planning. Instagram account, whoa, it's the 90s, said that their screen name back in the day was Posh4086. Tina said that her screen name was Tanita13. 
Tim, my hilarious, memorable childhood friend who I'm thankfully still connected with now. I completely forgot about this until he told me, which is just so awesome. And I completely and totally remember talking to him with this screen name. <laughs> His screen name when we were probably in middle school and high school, maybe was T 90210 T. Good stuff. Preston said that his screen name was Ice Blaster 2266. And Suzanne, I don't know how, this is amazing that she remembered all this. Maybe she had it written down. Very impressive. She said that she had a number of screen names when she was growing up, including Clue Cutie, Superstar 568, Lucky Star Girl 568, and Princess 33111. She also said that her brother's screen name was Danger Third Eye 77, and she even remembered her cousin's screen names. Very impressive, Suzanne. One was Limp Peace 29. Another one was Zelda 90210. Perhaps maybe that person was friends with, with Tim. And finally, Mariah 4807. And my, by far, my favorite contribution is listener and follower David, who we kind of chat at times um, on Twitter. He said that his first screen name was the King 97 which was kind of a dedication to his favorite wrestler, Jerry the King Lawler. And he briefly had a screen name, which was just, I think, just takes the cake on just hilarious screen names that I was laughing at really hard when I was on an elliptical at the gym reading. He said his screen name was briefly Pot to Pissin, which he said didn't last long, but I thought, God, that is hilarious. So thank you, everybody, for sharing that. It was kind of short notice that I threw that out there, and I got a bunch of answers, and they were hilarious to read through. So thank you so much for sharing what your screen names were. It was a good time back in the day on AOL. And speaking of AOL being at its peak, in 1998, the film You've Got Mail was released. is to never meet at all. You just email. It's really nothing. I don't know his name or what he does. Or where he lives exactly. What? He couldn't possibly be the rooftop killer. What they don't realize. What is that? What are you doing? You're taking all the caviar? That caviar is a garnish. Is they already have. Joe Fox. I'm in the book business. I am in the book business. What should I have said to a man who has made my professional life in misery? Tell me something, really. How do you sleep at night? Fight. Fight to the death. In life, they're at odds. She's beautiful, but she's a pill. Online, they're in love. Do you think we should meet? Meet? say hello, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, and then I'm going to split. That's what I'm going to do. Why am I even doing this? Why am I compelled to even meet her? Relax. You're taking it to the next level. Oh. And I'm not going to stay that long anyway. I already said that, didn't I? Yes, you did. No. I mean, he could be the next person to walk into the store. He could be. Can I please come up? No, I don't really think that that is a good idea, because I have a terrible cold. Here I am. 
Starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, You've Got Mail was a romantic comedy written and directed by Nora Ephron, who was a genius, really. Ephron's sister, Delia, also helped pen the script. In the movie, Ryan and Hanks' characters meet in an AOL chat room and become sort of electronic pen pals, if you will, for a while before they meet in person, deal with some inevitable conflict, and ultimately end up together. Ryan's character is named Kathleen Kelly, and Hanks's character is named Joe Fox. It's completely predictable, and is a movie very much locked into a certain moment in time, but nonetheless, it has always been one of my very favorite comfort movies, and my sister loved it as well. We both owned slash own it. It's just very comforting. The chat room where the main characters meet is in an over 30 room, yikes, and their screen names are Shop Girl and NY152. Apparently, when the movie was in development, someone already owned the screen name Shop Girl. It was actually a woman who was a mechanic in real life. How awesome is that? Somehow, people involved with the development of the movie were able to convince this mechanic, again, awesome, to give up her screen name, and the rest is, you know, well, history. Despite the characters in the movie being able to use AOL with ease, Hanks, Ryan, and Efron all allegedly needed some extensive training on the use of the internet in general and AOL. And if 1998 wasn't busy enough for AOL, they acquired Netscape, which at the time was one of the internet's most popular search engines. I remember utilizing Netscape in high school in the library. In 1999, AOL purchased MapQuest. MapQuest is actually still in operation today. I looked it up. It's it's still there. And as someone who always, to this day, has a horrible horrible sense of direction, having MapQuest was invaluable. Do you remember getting verbal directions from people and writing them down? I know I do. By the year 2000, AOL was the largest internet provider in the nation, and it was worth well over $125 billion. In January of that year, AOL merged with Time Warner, and just as they were at their peak as a company, The merger sent the company into quite a tailspin. AOL really started to overextend themselves at this time, and the culture among the two companies was strikingly different. The dot-com bubble burst in the early 2000s, so this also didn't help. It seemed as though AOL and Time Warner were just not able to anticipate this crash and the changes taking place in internet technology. There were also many reports that not only did the dot-com bubble contribute to the merger's demise, but also shady accounting practices. Despite the challenges the company faced as a result of the merger, AOL did lay the groundwork for a lot of the most popular internet sites and smartphone apps that we use on a constant basis, which I know is probably hard for a lot of people to either admit or realize, but it's kind of true. Like we talked about earlier, AIM paved the way for text messaging apps on smartphones like WhatsApp and just the general text messaging option on your phone. There was also AOL Music where well-known artists would perform their music in a studio and it would be broadcast via streaming video. You could also listen to audio tracks. I remember downloading music from very, very reliable programs like LimeWire which I'm sure destroyed five of my laptops, where not only was the quality questionable at times, but every once in a while you'd be listening to a song that you just 
spent five days downloading, and every 30 seconds, AOL Music first listen would be said over the track. That, that was definitely not worth the five days of downloading, that's for sure. Further, AOL Local was sort of like Yelp, where patrons at restaurants and business establishments could leave reviews. And in that vein, there was AOL Travel, which also produced videos and articles about traveling. Finally, AOL Video may have contributed to the creation of online video platforms like YouTube and TikTok. I'm not kidding. Perhaps due to this failed merger, AOL named a new CEO in 2002, taking the reins from Case. Also in the early 2000s, broadband internet started making an appearance in the technology and internet industry. It was a bit of a slow start, though, because modems cost upwards of, I mean, $500 at least at this time. However, about half of all internet users had broadband by 2007. And, you know, if you remember, AOL was all done using a phone line, aka dial-up, which took forever. Like Sandlot? Forever. Anyways, I remember it could take several minutes for a website page to load. I would often read magazines and books while I waited for this to happen. I'm not kidding. I distinctly remember that. I loved accessing the internet because I could look up information about Walt Disney World, you know, which is what I did all the time, but it took forever to be able to do so. And you know, if you wanted to download a single song illegally, that could take 10 to 30 minutes if you were lucky. And a low quality movie could take 24 hours to five days to download depending on the speed. Not only that, but since you had to use the phone line to access AOL, you couldn't use your phone if someone was using AOL. Once broadband became the preferred way for the vast majority of internet users to access the internet, interest in AOL really started to drop by the wayside. Customers could access AOL via broadband, so I mean, I guess that was good, but that required users to pay for both the broadband connection itself and an AOL account. In 2009, AOL and Time Warner split. In 2010, chat rooms ceased to exist on AOL. By this time, more people were interacting on social media via websites like MySpace, which I don't think I ever had. I think my sister did. Facebook, etc. In 2011, AOL acquired Huffington Post. However, this apparently wasn't the wisest business decision because they laid off 900 employees following that acquisition. In 2015, AOL was acquired by Verizon for $4.4 billion. In 2017, AIM was discontinued. The door closed for the last time. No more internet text messaging. Since that acquisition in 2015, AOL has changed hands a few times and is now owned by a private equity firm, Apollo Global Management, and is now a part of a new Yahoo organization. It feels like such a crazy coincidence that two former well-known email providers have been brought together. My sister had a Yahoo email account until she sadly passed away, and I used to always poke fun at her because when she left us in 2019, I don't think I knew anyone else who had a Yahoo email account. 
I believe her email address was stuckin1995 at yahoo.com. Just kidding. It was something much more basic than that. But I really enjoy making email address jokes for whatever reason. And I think that's part of the reason why I really miss being, you know, a high school guidance counselor the most is because whenever I would make presentations to students and parents, I would always say, you know, when you're applying to college, please make sure that your email address isn't I hate school 123 at gmail.com. That's not going to look very good on college applications. You should probably fix that. Okay. It always got a laugh. Hopefully got one from you too. I hope you've enjoyed this look back at America Online and its impact on the world of the internet, email, streaming video, and music, among others. Probably one of the most memorable aspects of using AOL were these sound effects, many of which you've heard throughout the show. These sound bites of Welcome and You've Got Mail were recorded by a gentleman named Elwood Edwards. According to an article from CNBC, he got the job because, quote, my wife worked for a company called Quantum Computer Services that became AOL, Edwards told CNBC. And in 1989, she volunteered my voice to future CEO Steve Case. And on a cassette deck in my living room, I recorded the iconic phrases. It was digitized into the software as a test and has continued to this day. End quote. In 2016, a video of Edwards went viral when an Uber passenger discovered that their driver was the iconic voice behind AOL. I have kept meaning to share poll results with you all that I've done on a myriad of topics on both Instagram and Twitter. During one of author Jason R. Lady's appearances on the show, I asked him if he used college-ruled or wide-ruled paper when he was a student, and thank God he answered college-ruled. So I decided that would be a good poll question, and the vast majority of listeners are Team College ruled at 83% and Team Wide ruled at 17%. On episode number 81 of the show, I did an episode all about our first cars with contributions from the fabulous Pop Culture Retrospective podcast community. My first car had a cigarette lighter, which was super helpful when I was a chain smoker, and so I decided I needed to ask everyone that question as well. On Twitter, 78% of you said that your first car had one, and 22% of you said that it did not. Based off of a post from Kevin James Thornton, who was a hilarious comedian, highly suggest checking out his little videos on Instagram, they're hilarious, I asked on Instagram if you had to sell one of these two CDs, which would you pick, Collective Soul or Spin Doctors? Thankfully, you all made the right choice with 60% voting to dropkick their Spin Doctor CDs versus 40% for Collective Soul. I really would have liked to have seen that been more like 90%, 10%, but I'll, I'll, take what, I'll take it. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that your holiday season is off to a great start. A great gift you can give in appreciation of this show is to share it with your friends and family, like I mentioned at the top of the show. And also, leaving a review. Haven't had one in a while. Got a decent number, but it'd be great to have some more recent reviews. Please join me for my next show, where we will be discussing another fascinating facet from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.